As the fires raced toward Elkridge, Mayor Ellis received an alarming phone call. The winds were picking up, and disaster for the town he loved seemed imminent. This is The Miracle Files. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Holly Worthington. We're two sisters who love a captivating true story, but we're also seeking more light in our lives. So we're on a mission to find and share unforgettable, uplifting stories of God's miracles. We hope you'll join us on this journey. Welcome back to The Miracle Files. We just launched our podcast finally this last month and had a great response. We're super grateful for all of our listeners. Yeah, we've been working on it for several months, so it's exciting to finally be able to share it with everyone. Yes, and we have another awesome story for you all today. I really love this story because, you know, a lot of our other stories are about one person or a few people who are experiencing a miracle, but this one's really cool because it's an entire community who experienced multiple miracles. Yeah, it's a series of miracles, so it's pretty cool. And before we begin, a tip that we got from one of our listeners is that if you listen to the podcast Fed Up, it really takes away from the emotion, it makes the music sound funny. So we think you'll have a better listening experience if you listen at the regular speed. Yeah, I speed them up myself sometimes when I listen to podcasts. However, our podcast is a little different than a lot of podcasts. We do a lot of editing so that we can make this an experience, not just a straight interview. Okay, so Holly, tell us a little bit about the story we're going to be hearing today. This story is about a little town in Utah called Elkridge, where miracles took place. And we could have interviewed any one of the residents there, and they probably would have had stories about the miracles that took place during this experience. Mm -hmm. But these three people that we interviewed have incredible stories, and we hope you'll enjoy. It was a small thunderstorm, yet that was all it took in an extreme drought year. On August 24th, 2018, Lightning shot down from the sky and ignited a single tree near Bald Mountain, Utah. The fire was small enough that the fire management team decided it would likely put itself out. Meanwhile, over the next week, the National Weather Service issued red flag warning after red flag warning. This meant that the area was expected to have dry conditions, very warm temperatures, and strong winds a perfect combination for fire danger. And then, on September 6th, across the mountain range near a place called Pole Creek, another small thunderstorm erupted and another bolt of lightning struck. This time, the Pole Creek fire was ignited. Two small fires burned across the mountains from each other, seemingly innocent. They were just small enough that the fire managers weren't concerned. They knew fires were less likely to grow after August. The fires were remote enough that there seemed to be little risk to human life or structures. Meanwhile, the sleepy town of Elkridge lay north, just over the mountain range. Life for its residents carried on as usual, as they were completely unaware of any impending danger. And then, before the Forest Service knew it, 
The Bald Mountain Fire had spread to over 6,000 acres, just nine miles south of Elkridge. The Pole Creek and Bald Mountain Fires were also heading straight for each other. That's when Elkridge Mayor Ty Ellis got a startling phone call. As a mayor at that time, I was at work. And I got a phone call and they said, hey, did you know that they're evacuating the city? And I'm like, no, they're not doing that. I haven't heard anything about it. So I'm like, I better rush home. So I left work, rushed home. And by the time I got home, the fire was approaching six miles from the city. Six miles away. And the wind had picked up, driving the fire straight towards Elkridge. The mandatory evacuation order went out. And at the time, you know, we have, what, a thousand homes in the city. And really, we only have two ways out of the city. So you can imagine, you don't have much time. If you were given 30 minutes to evacuate your home, expecting not to come back, what would you take? The potential for disaster was great. As the fire approached at break speed, the quiet town of Elkridge suddenly became frantic as everyone hurried to gather their families and belongings. Elkridge residents, Nelson and Heather Abbott, were on an airplane completely unaware of what was happening at home. The Abbots were longtime residents of Elkridge and members of the volunteer EMT and firefighting teams. Before they headed out of town, Nelson had checked with his firefighting friends to make sure the fire wasn't a danger. After all, they were leaving their 18-year-old daughter to watch her two younger siblings, along with chickens, a rabbit, and two dogs. Before the Abbots left, everyone felt confident that the fire was far enough away that it wouldn't threaten Elkridge. No one anticipated how drastically all of that would change or how quickly the Abbots would receive shocking news. When we landed in Chicago, we had a connecting flight from Chicago to Maryland. And uh, when we got off the plane, turned our phones back on and they went crazy. The Abbots were stunned to learn that the fire was now approaching Elkridge. They felt completely helpless, knowing their children were being forced to evacuate all by themselves. How on earth would they be able to pack themselves and everything up? And what would happen to their animals? Our son was 16, but did not have his driver's license yet. He had a learner's permit. I called him, and the first thing he said is, Mom, don't get mad. I was like, what on earth? He's like, it's okay. I looked online. If it's an emergency, I can drive by myself. He and my daughter, Morgan, had packed up everything that they deemed was important into the truck and a Durango and had evacuated the house. They had found places for our chickens and the other- Rabbit. The rabbit. And and, the pigeons. And they had the dogs with them. Yeah, for three kids, 18 and younger, they did pretty well. We were very proud of them. Mayor Ellis's wife was not home when the evacuation took place. So the mayor had to make his own hard decisions about what to take and what to leave behind. For insurance purposes, he videoed his home quickly, then packed up as much of his departed parents' artwork as he and his granddaughter could and evacuated, believing he would never see his home again. Despite the destructive fire racing closer to the town of Elkridge, that was also the moment when small miracles started happening. Sometimes miracles are flashy and dramatic, 
Sometimes, miracles look like a lot of people who just love and care for one another. The Red Cross showed up at the Salem Hills High School, and they never had one person have to use their services because the whole community around us just absorbed us. They just took everybody in. We had people at the elementary schools. We had a few people at the high schools. We had people in fields, wherever they could park a trailer and extension cords running from homes and people using their bathrooms. And, you know, you can just imagine, I mean, here we got 5,000 people leaving Elkridge and not a single one of them had to use Red Cross services. So that was pretty amazing. And as I went to a number of meetings, they were like, that just doesn't happen. We just don't see that kind of thing happen. So. Right then, I realized that there's more going on here than what meets the eye. After removing his own items and making sure the residents of Elkridge were safe, Mayor Ellis returned to the city building to check on the city that he loved. That night, I'm standing outside the city building. I'm looking at the flag just streaming south hot wind. The fire went from six miles to four miles to two miles. And I'm like, this is gonna be it right here. The incident team, they basically told us that night that the fire will come into Elkridge and they can't guarantee what will be left. The residents of Elkridge found themselves scattered from city to city. They went to bed fearful, heartbroken, knowing their homes likely wouldn't last the night, yet desperately praying for a miracle. The Abbots, still stuck in Maryland, were no different though they tried to be as optimistic as possible. I'd gotten a text from a friend of both Heather and I. He was one of my trainers when I went through fire school, and he had convinced his fire chief to bring one of their engines down here and uh, had stationed near our home to try and provide structure fire protection, which meant a lot to us. But we went to bed dreaming about how we would uh, rebuild our home. We were pretty sure it wasn't going to make it. We thought the community would be wiped off the map. I mean, we'd seen it happen before in other communities, and uh, we fully expected that to happen. You know, honestly, it was very hard to know what our kids were dealing with and not be there to help them. Yeah, there were a lot of prayers that were offered just for the safety of our children, the safety of our friends who were fighting the fire. We should have been home, but we weren't. We weren't able to help them and to support them in whatever way we could. The whole community joined together in praying for Elkridge. With the fire now as close as a half mile away, everyone expected to find absolute devastation in the morning. And that's how the story should have ended. Except it didn't. Because something unexplainable happened. Well, that night, we're all just watching the trees just igniting on fire. And you can hear them just almost explode. And the winds just kept blowing. And the fire got right to the edge of this mountain. It's about a half a mile south of Elkridge City boundaries. And just stopped right there. And it went south and kind of back up and behind this mountain, burned the whole entire backside of that mountain and down into the canyon on the left side of it. No one could explain why the fire suddenly turned south and was now heading east. The winds were still blowing north towards Elkridge. Mayor Ellis stayed long into the night. Though the fire had turned, he was still afraid to see what would be left of Elkridge the next morning. When daylight hit, 
I got in my car and I wanted to see what had happened. When a fire is being pushed by winds like that, you'll have what they call spotting, where the ashes will get caught up into the wind, right? And they'll be pushed well in front of the fire and they'll start spot fires. Well, when I got up that morning and I was driving up towards this mountain right here to the south of us and fully expecting a bunch of spot fires in the city and whatnot. Unbelievable. I couldn't find a single place where the fire had spotted in all of Elkridge. And it was crazy that nothing had happened. In fact, the incident team leaders, they were saying they've never seen it before. They would have never have guessed that that could have possibly happened, that the fire would have stopped in its tracks and basically changed 90 degree direction, even though the wind's still blowing, and go east and behind that mountain and spare Elkridge City. When the Abbots woke up the next morning, they fully expected to hear that their home was lost, but were overcome with emotion at the news they received. Got the next morning and I had a text from our friend and uh, he'd taken a picture of the flags in my front yard with a simple caption, the flag is still there. The reports that we were getting from other firefighter friends were nothing short of a miracle of what happened there. Um, that night was the first miracle of many that occurred during that fire. I have a good friend who was a, a firefighter and they were up on the front line up on the mountain and he said you could hardly stand up straight the wind was blowing downhill so hard and yet the fire laid down and went the other way. While the main part of Elkridge appeared to be unscathed, on the edge of town sits a cabin association. Mayor Ellis was certain there must be damage in that area. I went and I got the public works guy and he took me up Wilfer Canyon <clears throat> that day. And you can see where the cinders had rained down into this forested area. Literally, the ground is on fire, but none of the trees burned. There was one place that a guy had a woodshed about 30, 40 feet from his house underneath a pine tree next to a propane tank. And the fire had completely burnt that woodshed to the ground. There was nothing left of it. The pine tree sitting above it was scorched, but never caught on fire. The only structure we lost was that woodshed in our city. And we all looked at each other. How could this happen? These trees are tender dry. They're all pine trees. The pine needles are just brown. Yet, not one of them burned. It was just an incredible experience to go up there and see that. Over the next couple of days, the Abbots continued to get word from their firefighting friends that they could hardly believe. The fire wasn't completely out yet and could still be considered a threat, but the miracles kept coming. So that first Sunday, while we were out of town, they held a special fast that the elements would be tempered. And the reports we were getting from people that were here was there's not a cloud in the sky except for right over the fire and it would rain. Mayor Ellis was also there that day. And one time at the end there, where we're all wondering, when are we going to be able to go back into our homes? And people were tired, and it's been quite a while. And a little storm came over, rained a little bit, the sun came out, and there was this beautiful rainbow that had just formed right over the top of the city. And everybody was just, well, there was people in tears. And we just so believed that God was really watching out for our community, taking care of everything for us while we were pretty much helpless. When Nelson Abbott returned to Utah, 
He joined the fire team and began patrolling the area for hotspot danger. The next night when we were back, I got sent out on a patrol. And on that patrol, we went up Lofer Canyon. And I was in the uh, rush truck with two other firefighters. We have a small 500-gallon tank on that truck. And our job was to look for any hot spots or anything that could potentially flare up and put water on it to make it go out. We drove up into the association and we drove around and we couldn't see anything that was hot. We had our thermal imaging camera with us and we were using that to help aid our tired eyes at that point. And uh, we didn't see anything. So we turned around and as we were leaving the association, as, as loud and as clear as you can hear my voice, I heard a voice say, turn around, go back. And I turned to the other two guys in the truck and I asked them, I go, who said that? Which one of you said we need to go back? And they said, I didn't. Neither one of them had. And uh, so I said, well, guys, we got to turn around and go back because I've never heard a voice that loud in my life. There wasn't someone next to me. And so we turned around and we went back up into the association. And uh, as we were completing the loop up by their water tank, a tree fell over. It had burned from inside. The roots had caught fire. And when it hit, there were embers flying everywhere. And we emptied our tank about as quick as we could, cooling the hot spots. And I'll tell you, I, every time I went out, I felt like I was being guided and prompted. And you could feel the, the prayers of people praying for me. The firefighters who worked day and night on this fire were a big part of this miracle. Still, no one could explain how or why the city of Elkridge was spared. What we do know is this. God had a plan for this small mountain city, and it was for the city and its residents to be saved. After about two weeks, the residents of Elkridge were able to return home. And I looked at the mountain and I said, it's a miracle that the fire went behind that mountain. And as soon as I said that, I just knew that we had Miracle Mountain right there. Later, Mayor Ellis went to Congress and was able to change the name of the mountain overlooking Elkridge. The new name is Miracle Mountain. We asked Mayor Ellis why he thinks God spared this small town, and this was his response. I think, you're gonna get me teared up here. I think there'd been times when God sat on that mountain and watched our city. And there has been times when I know and felt his presence. He's been there and he's watched our city. I will testify to you that there are miracles. Heather Abbott shared her thoughts as well. There's a lot of situations where homes aren't safe, communities aren't spared. Why were our homes spared when others weren't? And I have no answer for that. But I think that in any situation, there are miracles. You know, we were very, very blessed. Even though things were chaotic, there was always this overwhelming feeling of peace the whole time. And I know a lot of that was because of the peace that Christ gives. And, you know, even if we lost everything, the things that were the most important were our family and knowledge that Christ knew what we were going through. And he was there. He was aware of our kids that were alone and struggling. He was aware of us that were away and struggling. He was aware of every one of us. Even though it felt a little bit hopeless, we never felt alone or abandoned. 
Whatever the reason this city was spared, Miracle Mountain stands today as a reminder to all who live and visit there that God does exist and His miracles have not ceased. Miracles are God's way of reminding us that we are not alone and that He's there for us and that He loves us. And in any situation that you're in, um, whether it's a catastrophic fire or you know, just the everyday trials of life, those miracles are there in different forms. And the more that you look for them, the more that you will notice them. This story was really impactful to me because I really relate with Heather and Nelson. Thinking about being away from your children and having them go through some traumatic event like this. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I've left my older kids and gosh, that would have been so scary to have them facing something like that. You never think something like that is going to happen when you leave your kids at home. I know. I imagine this is one of the first, if not the first times that they left their children alone because their daughter was finally 18, finally old enough. She's an adult and they leave thinking everything's fine. And it's kind of like your worst nightmare. Totally. Sounds like their kids handled it so well, though. It sounds like the whole city handled it really well. The responsibility of these kids to have to decide what to take and what to leave. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. What would you take if <laughs> if you only have 30 minutes? I don't know. This story has really made me think about that. And of course, I would want to take photographs. That's the first thing that comes to my yeah, mind. Irreplaceable things. But yeah, I thought about Obviously, I'd want to grab my dog, obviously, my family, but it would be really hard to choose like because you really wouldn't have time to go through a lot of things. Yeah, this was funny. It reminded me of um, an experience that we had the other night. We were playing a newlywed game and the question was, if your house was on fire and you had time to grab only one thing, what would you grab? And I said the kids and Christian said the motorcycle. And I was <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Well, to be fair, he said the kids are not an item and they can get themselves out. But I was like, hey, the motorcycle's not that important. And the dog's going to die. I didn't even think about the dog, actually. <laughs> Sorry, Milo. <laughs> the dog's included with the kids. Yeah, of course. I meant he is one of my kids. <laughs> anyway. I don't know what I would have done. I really don't. I don't know what I would have done either. And you know what else I thought was crazy was the tree that burned from the inside. I guess this is actually a common thing that happens, but I wouldn't have thought that a tree would be burning from the roots. Just crazy. Yeah, there were so many things that happened. And I don't know why this community was protected the way it was, but clearly there's a reason. Yeah, I love what Heather said at the end that If you look for the miracles, you will see them. I think it's so cool that the Red Cross came in and literally had nothing to do. I know. I'm really inspired by all the people who just jumped in and were willing to help love other people. And I've been to the community of Elkridge, and I've been to the city building and seen pictures of the fires that were on the mountains there on the walls. It's just, it's crazy how close it got to the city. When you see the pictures of it, wow. I mean, it's just so crazy. Yeah. They must've been so scared. It would be terrifying. Mm -hmm. There's even a picture of the rainbow that they saw that day. And we have that up on our Patreon if you want to take a look at it. But it's just amazing. The little signs that God sends us to let us know that he's there and he's looking out for us. 
Thank you for joining us. If you have a miracle to share, contact us at themiraclefiles.com or find us on Facebook. We'll post new episodes on the first day of each month. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave us a review. Join us next time as we discover more of God's miracles. And don't forget to look for His light in your own lives. If you'd like to support us on Patreon so we can produce more episodes like this, go to patreon.com forward slash The Miracle Files. You'll get exclusive access to photos, videos, articles, and other content you won't find anywhere else. We'll also have live chats and we'd love to interact with you there. Thank you so much for your support.